1: Hello, and welcome to Behind the Money. I'm Amy Keene, a reporter for the Financial Times in New York. This week on the show, we're looking at Argentina and whether the country's looming currency crisis marks the beginning of the end of years of global economic boom. When Mauricio Macri was elected president of Argentina in 2015, international investors poured money into the country. And the idea was that, as a center-right reformer, he would take charge of government spending and corruption and try to normalize an erratic economy. But less than three years with Thackeray at the helm, the country is again facing tough times. And both investors and Argentines are bracing for what comes next. Earlier this month, Argentines took to the street in protest against President Mauricio Macri's request for a $30 billion loan from the International Monetary Fund. Now, IMF is a much-hated term in Argentina. It brings back memories of harsh public spending cuts and the subsequent economic crash that came about after the government last went to the fund for help.
2: Argentina is a remarkably special case in many ways.
1: John Paul Rathbone is the FT's Latin America editor.
2: The old joke is that there are four economies in the world developed, developing, Japan's and Argentina's. It's defaulted eight times uh, in the past hundred years or so. It's had hyperinflation twice and gone through 20 IMF-supported programs in 60 years, none of which have been particularly successful, especially the last one, which collapsed in debt default and a massive devaluation in 2001. At the time, it was the largest sovereign currency default in the world, over $100 billion. And conditions were so bad in Argentina afterwards that one in five Argentines were unemployed, and the country went through three presidents in the space of a couple of weeks. After the massive debt default in 2001, a husband and wife team came in called Nestor and Cristina Kirchner.
1: The most powerful Argentine couple since Juan and Eva Perón.
2: And they had to deal with the aftermath of the default and devaluation. They refused to settle with creditors, and they thumbed their noses at the IMF.
1: Opponents and supporters soon found out that he was a fighter, prepared to take tough decisions and make enemies. Among those enemies, many of Argentina's creditors...
2: So basically, they were cut off from capital markets and international capital, basically became a closed economy.
1: One of the things though that helped the Argentine economy was its rich agriculture and natural resources business. Soybeans and corn are among the country's top exports. And so during the late 90s and the early 2000s, as other emerging markets like China were growing rapidly and in need of these exports to fuel the growth, Argentina was able to ride a kind of global commodity boom.
2: And then the commodity boom popped, Nestor Kirchner died and Cristina Fernandez, his wife, stepped in as president. And that's when Argentina really started to go off the rails.
1: Argentina is staring down the barrel of yet another
2: debt default. This week, Argentina, from one of the world's richest nations to a serial defaulter. She started spending more money than she had. She covered the deficit by printing money. Inflation started to rise. There was no access to international credit. There was balance of payments problems. They couldn't import what they needed. Uh, And uh, corruption was rife. And then there were elections in 2015. And Macri, a centre-right president, Mauricio Macri, uh, won the election to a lot of people's surprise. Argentina's new president, Mauricio Macri, has taken up the reins, heading up a South American country which is deeply divided. And Cristina Fernandez, who cast herself as a latter-day Eva peron, slunk away to her home in Patagonia. You have a, a modern, forward-looking president, former businessman, uh, center-right. He believes in the market, but is very sympathetic to social issues, and he's painfully aware, uh, chronically aware of the political constraints of reinventing Argentina to make it normal, as he calls it.
3: Gracias por haber creído, por haber creído que juntos podemos construir la Argentina que soñamos.
0: Gracias. La verdad que...
3: I mean, you have to recognize that for the international investing community and most onlookers, the arrival of President Mauricio Macri was an absolute godsend.
1: That's the voice of Gillian Tett,
3: the FT's U.S. managing editor. Suddenly it had a well-spoken, slick, charming, telegenic, good-looking president who said all the right things on the world stage, that after his predecessors was really quite a big contrast.
0: We have started a, a new political stage. There is a new Argentina.
3: And so many investors were incredibly excited and they have responded by gobbling up um, Argentinian assets, most notably a hundred year bond that Argentina issued last summer.
1: In June of 2017, Macri and his government issued $2.75 billion worth of debt that wouldn't mature for another hundred years. And to understand exactly what investors saw in this bond offering, I talked to the FT senior investment commentator, John Authors.
4: The idea of a century bond is that uh you borrow money and promise to keep paying the interest, but don't promise to repay the principal for a 100 years. There was quite an interesting defence. I heard of this from a fund manager who had actually bought the bond. And he said, if you're laughing at that, don't laugh. And don't think in terms of a 100 years before you get the principal back. Just think in terms of the duration think of what you're getting each year. Now, it pays $8 million per year to someone who has invested $100 million. So the point he was making, uh, okay, you might not get all your money back in 100 years' time, but if it keeps paying for 30 years, you've been repaid $240 million in interest payments on your initial $100 million that you invested. Are you necessarily that upset if Argentina at that point defaults.
3: This is a country that keeps defaulting, and yet there was so much hype and excitement that investors were buying this 100-year Argentinian bond and essentially saying, we believe that you have turned the corner. It's going to be different this time around.
2: So he comes to power, and you have to imagine a house, as it were, that's in extreme disarray. There are cobwebs and broken furniture, and basically he cleans house and reinstalls basic things like servers that have been ripped out of the ministry. So some of it is very basic housekeeping. The rest is he reopens um, access to international credit. He, he settles with defaulted creditors. Um, that cost a few billion dollars, but he's brought in 100 billion dollars. And the reason why uh, Argentina's borrowed so much from an economic point of view is that he wanted the change to a more modern or normal economy, as he calls it, uh, to be gradual. And that required financing to to tidy the country through. So that was the economic reason why he was going to capital markets so much and he was borrowing so much. Uh, That is what Argentina has traditionally done.
1: Macri's gradually trying to get the country's financial house in order in order for it to become a more stable, normal, as he says, economy.
2: Everything was going fine. Argentina, because it's a serial defaulter, is a very cunning and savvy debt operator. It knew that these ultra-low interest rates globally weren't Mm. going to last. So he front-loaded the borrowing, um, and then interest rates started to rise, and the borrowing became more expensive, and Argentines, who were extremely aware of The dollar peso exchange rate and US interest rates. Because they've lived through serial defaults and devaluations and hyperinflation through their lives, then there was a run on the currency. People began to think, yikes, this is not sustainable.
4: Emerging market currencies are bearing the brunt of a lot of punishment. Uh, For some reason, uh, oddly enough, it's because of strength in the
3: dollar. Argentina's economy is struggling. One of its biggest problems is the devaluation of the currency against the power of a strengthening U.S. dollar.
2: If you see your currency crashing through the floor... Um, you start to panic and maybe you start to take out some money from your bank account and shift it into dollars. So that's the usual psychology. And then that in turn, if everyone starts doing that, then you start having a bank run. So not only have you got a devaluation, then you've got a bank run, and bank runs never end well. And there was also a little bit of policy mismanagement. There was a tussle between the Treasury Ministry and the Central Bank. So that combined with rising global interest rates led to a run of the currency, which is where we were until May 10th when Macri said, We're
3: going to go to the IMF.
1: So the president turned to the IMF for support, about $30 billion worth, to make sure that Argentina could continue to pay down the interest on all of the debt
3: that it had acquired. I was actually with some of the IMF officials on May the 10th and talking about the global economy, and ironically, talking about the state of the global financial safety net. And, you know, we spent an entire day talking about what we would need to do or what the global economy um, policymakers will need to do to try and deal with problems in the financial system if they erupted. And nobody once mentioned Argentina. And at the very end of the day, the call came in, people dashed out of the room, And they were as stunned as anybody else that Argentina was coming to the IMF because that simply was not expected at the time at all.
1: So, what is it exactly that President Macri is
3: looking for from the IMF?
4: Basically, what he wants is a loan, and a loan at the kind of cheap interest rate that he's not going to be able to get from anywhere else at the moment. That's basically the IMF's job. And if he can get that, then he shouldn't need to go to the international markets again until after the next presidential election, which is at the end of next year. So there is no need to go on bended knee once more to the markets. And with his uh, situation bolstered by that 30 billion, the question marks over his ability to, to repay this considerable amount of debt that's already been taken should dissipate. If it works, it will give his uh, generally rather free market, somewhat austere approach to trying to get the Argentine economy back on track, it'll give his approach a breathing room of another 18 months to work. It'll improve the chances that a non-populist uh, Washington consensus type politician in Latin America can actually demonstrate a success at a point when the uh, bigger Latin American economies are all looking very close indeed to, to trying something much more uh, left wing, and from the point of view of the IMF, much more alarming.
3: There are people in Washington right now, both inside the IMF and inside the US government and elsewhere, who are very much trying to present this as not a sign of desperation or panic, but rather a sense that Argentina for almost the first time in recent decades has been really grown up and recognised it has a problem and is trying to nip it in the bud in a mature way, rather than waiting for complete disaster to hit it, like some of Macron's predecessors did.
1: GP, if investors and policymakers are seemingly so keen to support Argentina to, you know, kind of prop them up at this point, what is the mood on the ground? How are Argentines feeling?
2: It's too early to tell because the IMF does have bad connotations. It's a dirty word in Argentina, but it's also a convenient whipping boy, um, especially for the opposition. So there's lots of neoliberal this and neoliberal that um, insults being thrown around. Macri still has upwards of 40 percent approval rating. So he is um, over two years into an adjustment program, and to still have half the population with you is quite remarkable. And that also shows how Argentines, many Argentines, are fed up of swinging to the left, swinging to the right. They do want to be normal. So there's a sense of perseverance. Having said that, does anyone like to pull their belt tight and keep on pulling it tight? You know, austerity wears on you after a while. So it's, it's, it's a marathon rather than a sprint.
3: There are two other important points to realise as well, which is firstly, um, right now there is concern that we could be at the beginning of a series of emerging market um, hiccups or shocks. And certainly policymakers don't want that to occur. Um, We've already seen Turkey starting to wobble. We've got South Africa wobbling too and other places. Secondly, I suspect that as we see countries like Turkey... Begin to face increasing pressures within the new climate. Um, what Argentina has done may actually end up looking rather more wise rather than foolish, because it's very striking that in recent days the Turkish um, currency has continued to suffer badly, whereas there are some hints of stabilization in the peso. So,
1: if if we can take a step back, what does the situation in Argentina? tell us about where we're at in the global economic cycle, about, you know, whether there are broader issues to be concerned about at the moment.
3: I think the one thing to realize about Argentina is that it really should be something of a wake-up call for investors who've got a bit complacent about the seemingly endless global boom, because we've just had a couple of years of strong global um, growth. We've had markets in almost every area performing very well on the back of lots of easy liquidity and lots of optimism all around about the recovery. And if nothing else, Argentina reminds us that actually some of the fundamental problems that have stalked the emerging markets before and countries like Argentina haven't disappeared. They're still there and they may yet come back to haunt us.
4: For the most part, I think while what matters most about this is what effect it's going to have on the lives of Argentines, who've had a pretty unfairly bad go of it for a long time now, certainly it does play quite worryingly into this sense that the global financial cycle has peaked and is starting to turn in the other direction. That's why the dollar has started to strengthen creating these issues for Argentina in the first place, because financial conditions here in the US actually are beginning to tighten. And while, as I said, there, were, there, there are justifications for lending to a country like Argentina for 100 years. Uh, it's very hard to see that other than as some kind of a signal uh, of a market top. Does this fit into a picture that we have finally reached the top of this very weird cycle that the world economy has been in ever since the crisis almost 10 years ago? Yes, it absolutely does fit into that picture I guess the question now, whether people like the IMF, uh, Christine Lagarde, and uh, President Macri can manage things better than they were managed 10 years ago, and whether we can have an orderly slowdown rather than another all-out disaster. There's certainly no reason why we have to have a disaster. It certainly looks to me like there's every reason why we should expect things to start slowing down from here.
1: We have much more for you to read about the situation in Argentina and what it means for the rest of the economy on FT.com. And thank you again for all of the emails and tweets with episode ideas. We're working on a few of your suggestions right now, so please keep them coming. You can email us at BehindTheMoney at FT.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Amy P. Keen. That's Amy with an I and two E's. We'll be back next week.